are going to be in Joshua chapter 3. If you have a Bible, open up to it. If you don't, uh, the folks will be walking up and down the aisle and they'll get you a Bible. I've noticed the price has dropped on eBay. We flooded the market. And if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to keep that one. The power of the word of God. The only book in the world you don't read it, it reads you. Time spent reading it is time well invested. Amen. All right. So uh, before we stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, uh, I want to kind of set the stage for you. We're going through the book of Joshua. Joshua is appointed by the Lord to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Uh, Moses is not allowed to go. Moses has passed. Joshua's taking over. An 11-day journey has now taken, what, 40 years? And, uh, and now they're getting ready to cross the Jordan and enter into the promised land. It's in the springtime, and the uh, rivers are, the, the Jordan River is flooding beyond the banks of the river itself. Uh, the Jordan, especially back then, now that it's not drawn by so many nations, uh, was a, a pretty sturdy river. Now it's uh, down in the location where um, the crossing occurred and also the baptism of Jesus over by Jericho. Um, I'll call Yeshua, I forget how to pronounce it. Um, it's, it's the uh, traditional baptismal site of Christ. In that location, it's, it's not a raging river, but certain times of the year it can be especially when you get heavy rains in that, that region, it just, it, it floods the banks. And there's 17 verses that we're gonna stand for in a moment. And 14 times something is mentioned in these 17 verses. See if you can pick it up. We're gonna learn a lot about it today and it'll apply to, well, entering into the promised land. And by the way, the promised land is not as the old Negro spirituals would say, heaven. The promised land is a victorious Christian life. You're not sinless, but you're victorious. You're having victory over habitual sin. You're having victory in those areas. Your family is centered on the word of God. Your decisions are established by the word of God. It's rich and dwells in, in you and in those you love. That's the victorious Christian life. You don't live by guilt or condemnation. You've been saved by grace through faith. It's not a have to, it's a get to, and there's joy you're hungry for the word of God. God has created that within you and you, you can't read enough of it. Um, it's it's, it's a, the, your first love. It's just returning to it and the joy of it. That's, that's the promised land. Until God takes you home, um, it's the closest you get to the Lord on this earth. And they're about to experience that. There's a lot of similarities you're gonna see and uh, it will be all found in the item that is mentioned 14 times in the 17 verses. Again, let's see if you can pick up on it. Let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. I'll read out loud if you'll follow along silently. Joshua chapter three, verse one. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days keep that in mind, three days, that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, about 1,000 yards. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant. I don't know if you've picked it up yet, but I'm trying to help you. <laughs> And they went before the people, and the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant, saying, 
When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Termites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribe of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the, feet, uh, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. I'm sorry, it's in the fall. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaraton. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah the Salt Sea, the Dead Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the similarities found in the three days the rising waters, the ark, Lord, that Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, God saves. All of these are types and pictures of the victorious Christian life that we ourselves can emulate and glean from. Lord, would you do what no man or woman in this room can do? Would you lead us into all truth? Would you establish us in your word? Holy Spirit, would you change the hearts and the minds and bring an awakening and a revival by the riches of your truth, your word, that you established the heavens and the earth as you spoke them into existence. God, please, we ask that you would do that mighty work now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll have a seat if you would. The, uh, the Abundant Christian Life, yeah, I was watching, it was interesting about the rehab. You, you, can, you can have a saved soul, but a wasted life. Your name can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You can be forgiven of your sins, past, present, and future, but still walk in them. Uh, the Bible says, as a, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a man returns to his sin. I don't know if you've ever seen a dog just chowing down. It's just like, Bleh. oh, hey, a new filler. Yeah, <laughs> just keeps feeding itself the same thing over and over. I didn't do that first service. There's nowhere to go now. I've ruined it. <laughs> but but we're, we find sin familiar, and yet... The Lord wants us to enter into a promised land. It's not heaven, but it is a victorious Christian life, one where God goes before you as the priest went before the people. And not the priests. The priests were in obedience to God. They were carrying the ark, and that represented the Lord. The ark we'll learn a little bit about. 14 times, as I said, this ark of the covenant, 14 times in 17 verses. You can see the priests... Those are the acacia poles, the two cherubim on top. A lot of you may or may not know, some of you may have seen, um, you know, Indiana Jones. But this ark, uh, they say it exists in Ethiopia. I'm not so certain about that. The Ethiopian Coptic Church says they have it. Um, 
It, it, it represented where the Lord resided on the earth between the wings of those two angels. He'd be a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. They called it the Shekinah glory of God. And there you would inquire of the Lord and you'd speak with him. Uh, one man, a, a, one of the priests, one time a year, and he had to have a rope tied around his foot with pomegranate bells on the hem of his robe and he'd have to go in and if his life wasn't right or something wasn't and he didn't do things according he would drop dead right there in the holy of holies and they'd have to drag his carcass out on the rope on his leg and you're like wow god's god's intense yeah he is imagine that the god who holds the heavens in the span of his hand, his middle finger to his thumb, we can't even comprehend to the sun, which is, what, 93 million miles away. And that's just one solar system of billions. And yet God holds that in the span of his hand. And all this creation and all the universes and the span of the galaxies, you, you, he created in his image. And he's given you his moral law as a compass his grace as deliverance, his mercy to set you on this path of victory. And yet we continue in sin. As the Apostle Paul said, shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? No. No, God doesn't allow you, God doesn't give you grace so you can see how close you can get to the edge. I, I'm, I'm saved by grace, brother. I, I, there's freedom in Christ. Yeah, are you free? Can you say no? I don't know what you're talking about. That freedom that you're exercising, has it possessed you? Are you now at a place where those things that you were indulging in now own you? Well, you're talking about things none of your business. Okay, but the, great, the two great truths of the universe, there's a God, you're not him. And we, everyone struggles, we mean him. Take it up with him. It, it's... We, 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 we want God in, in our image. We're, we don't want to be in his image. We want him to, to dance to our tune. I got, I've, I've got questions for God. Do you really? Well, look at you. You are a gnat on the butt of an elephant. You're tiny. He holds the heavens in the span of his hand. Does he, you know what that makes you look like? Squish you like a bug. Squish you like a worm. Why would God be so cruel? Why are, why are you and I so disobedient? He's given us everything and a moral compass and we choose to do the opposite. And just look at, look at what we've done to the place. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sins are approached to any people. God has come that we might have life and life more abundant. We're killing all of our life. We're killing our children. Israel itself is considered a Western nation because it's democracy or republic kind of, actually it's, parliament and and their their abortion rate is unbelievably high they say they're a nation of life yet every idf female soldier gets two abortions during her course paid for by the government we kill our children and we want god to bless us we confuse their children don't raise them in the law of god we want God to bless us. And I've got questions for God. Do you really? You won't be able to speak when you stand before him. You'll breathe your last on this earth and you will stand before him and you will be paralyzed. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, you will bow. And I... You can disagree with me, but you know the bummer is? You're going to hear my voice in hell for all eternity. 
Did he just say hell? I did. It just, it, hell is the absence of, a, a, of, of everything God is. There's no goodness. I'm going to party with my friends. No, you won't. No, you won't. The worm never dies. And that's not a tequila worm. That's the one that eats your body and your flesh. We're walking dead people. We think that we've, we're merciful in, in San Francisco by giving free needles and drugs. And we're just watching people walk around like zombies with open wounds. And we call that good government. Where did that come from? You know, we talk about the laws of nature and nature's God, and we talk about those things that we're to govern our lives by. A nation developed on a covenant, which is Israel, also America, interestingly enough, if you go through her history. This commitment to the things of God. How do you get good laws? Well, it must begin with the moral law that governs the individual, and then the decisions they make on the civil laws. And then a nation flourishes, which is fascinating because you want an abundant Christian life. It's all found inside the ark, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. You see, inside the the ark sat the Ten Commandments, Aaron's staff, and a jar of manna. Each of these represented something important, the law, the priesthood, and God's provision. The law, the priesthood, and God's provision. So you had in the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, written with the finger of God, placed inside the ark. You had Aaron's staff, his rod. Each of the 12 tribes had one that represented their family. They were all placed inside or in the presence of the, the Lord. In the morning when they came back, Aaron's had blossomed and had almonds that were ripe on it. All the others were just the same. And God said, I have, I don't want any rebellion. He's, he's the Levite. They're going to be the priesthood. We're going to cover that momentarily. And then God's provision, how he provides for you. Manna. Manna. It, the, the word translated really cool. It means, what is it? You're like, it's, uh, what is it? That's the word manna. This Ark of the Testimony 14 times in 17 verses. We find out about it in Exodus 25. God says, And they shall make an ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits shall be its length, a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out, and you shall overlay it and make it uh, on it a molding of gold all around. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them in four corners. Two rings shall be on one side, two rings on the other side. And you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings of the side of the ark that the ark may be carried by them. The poles shall be in the rings of the ark and they shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark of the testimony which I will give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits shall be its length. And then it says, you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the uh, two ends of the mercy seat. Verse 19, make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. And you shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above the covering of the mercy seat with their wings and they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat and you'll put the mercy seat on top of the ark and the ark you shall put in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you and there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat and from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in the commandment to the children of Israel. This ark is fascinating. Scholars believe to look something like that. The cherubim are angels and their wings are forward and and where the wings almost touch is where God resides. As I said, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. It's the Shekinah glory of God. And there in the Holy of Holies, you meet with the Lord. He speaks. And inside that box are found three things in accordance with what God declared. 
The first is the law, the Ten Commandments. The second is the declaration of the priesthood. And the third is a jar of manna. Let's begin with the law. The law is found in Exodus 31, 18. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, God gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. The Ten Commandments. One God. No idols. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Honor the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Honor your mother and father. It'll go well with you. You'll live long on the earth. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. And don't covet. If you can't repeat that, and if you have not memorized that, why not? It's the moral law that your children should know and from every law that's established on this earth, it should be governed by an understanding of what God desires of his creation. The Ten Commandments. The moral law is found right there. The, the, The abundant Christian life, the victorious Christian life is aligning yourself with what God desires. He doesn't want people lying. He doesn't want adultery. He doesn't want anyone stealing. He wants you to understand the differentiation of who he is and who we are. One God, there's no idols. You You don't walk around going, Jesus Christ. It's not an expletive. It's the name of God. Christ is his title. Yeshua, God saves, Joshua. That's his name. His name as the father would be a tetragrammaton, unpronounceable. Four consonants, Y-W-H-W. We think it's Yahweh or Jehovah. Still don't know. But his name is not to be taken in vain. And you take a day of rest and, and focus on him and make it the first day of the entirety of your week. That everything begins with him and ends with him. Honor your mother and father. Start with our father who is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Then your mother and father on the earth. And go well with you. And then it goes into the the moral laws that you're to apply to your own life. Don't murder. You can murder with words. You're ugly and stupid and I wish you were never born. The Bible says you don't need a gun to kill someone. Your words will do just fine. I hate you. Watch your tongue. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual praises, making melody in your heart one to another, the Bible says. Don't commit adultery. So many people in this room are affected adversely by broken families. Didn't used to be that way. Don't steal. It's awful when your society can't trust the neighbor. Isn't it? Don't bear false witness. Don't covet. Covet means you want something someone has and you're unwilling to do what they did to get it. You just want to take it when they're not looking. That's the law. And that that brings, in a sense, that it, it exalts a nation when we, by joy, obey it. Not a have to, but a get to. We're not saved by it but we're exalted because it sanctifies us, sets us apart. I'll cover that momentarily. But also in this Ark of the Covenant or Ark of the Testimony, not only do you have the law, you have the priesthood. God said, have the priests go a thousand yards ahead of everybody carrying this on acacia poles. They're not to touch it. One did, Uriah the Hittite. Or, no. Was it Uriah? Yeah. Reached his hand out, struck dead. Uzziah, Uzziah did, excuse me. Struck dead. You're like, whoa, because the, the ark was on the back of an ox cart, because that's how the Philistines transported it. So David thought, I'll do the same. It started to slide. Uzziah put his hand out to just stop it. Boom, struck dead. You're like, wow, God is wicked, brutal. Yeah. I don't think we understand how hugantic he is 
and how tiny we are. And yet, for you, for you, he left the glory of heaven's throne for the humiliation of an earthly cross to be beaten, bled, and died in your place to pay the penalty of your sin that you could cast your cares on him for he cares for you. But he's personal. And, and he's, he's given us access to him. The, the priest would carry the ark. This is where you meet with the Lord. The priests were what, what we call, in, in the Greek, it's called hermeneutics, where the pastor teaches God's living word to the congregation. Hermes was a mythical creature of the Greek gods and goddesses that would communicate between the gods and man. Uh, priests, pastors, that's our job. We, we, we take the eternal and we speak to the people that are caught in the temporal. We, we share the things of heaven uh, to those on a fallen earth. And, and he, he picks peculiar priests. He says he, he doesn't take the wise. God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. All of you are going, I can do better than you. I agree with you. I, I have no doubt you could, but here's, here's the thing. He put me here, and I'll tell you what. Anytime he wants to take me out, he can. I didn't strive for it. And he, he's had me here for almost 23 years now. There's been times I've, I wanted to go. You know, any, any pastor who says, you know, ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. That's a pastor who needs to go. <laughs> it's all about the people and the joy of ministry. You can't take people where you're unwilling to go yourself. In that priesthood, you have to be you have to be confident in the calling of the Lord upon your life. The gifts and the calling of the Lord are irrevocable. I, I, I know he put me here because there's nothing else I can do. <laughs> my wife and I were just down in Coronado and my toolbox consists literally of the yellow pages and a credit card. <laughs> yellow pages, uh, you know, Yelp and a credit card. Like, look at these hands. There's no calluses. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't do math. I, I, just, I, I talk. I talk. That's what I do. And yet, Aaron, unlikely guy, and the priesthood would fall on him, the Levitical priesthood would fall on him, and it, it all came in number 17, you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi, for there shall be one rod for the head of each, of, uh, each father's house of the 12 tribes of Israel. Then you shall place him in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. That's in the Holy of Holies where this ark resides. Verse 5, and it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece for each leader according to their father's houses. Twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms, and yielded ripe almonds overnight. And the thing doesn't have any roots. You're like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> then Moses brought out all the rods before the Lord to all the children of Israel. And they looked, and each man took his rod. And the Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaint away from me, lest they die. The Bible says, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He says, like oil running down the beard of Aaron, he desires that we dwell together in unity. That's hard for selfish people that are sinful. You know, God takes the absolute of his word, which is true, and the variable of man's personality, which is broken, and he makes a message unique unto itself. 
And, I, and I, I, I am one of those mouthpieces. And I'm an irritant to many. I've watched them come and go over the years. I think the largest church in the Conejo is the church of the people that used to go to this church. <laughs> and I don't say that out of bitterness. Because I, I, I watch as, as God places them in, a, in an area where they feel confident. But what I would say is, go to a place where you're going to flourish. But don't keep using the church as an excuse as to why fallen man has hindered you from serving. That's a lie. And one thing I can say joyfully is that in 23 years of ministry, we've never had a church split. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> no. Yeah. Now, we've, we've had, Manuel started, and, and there's one love over there now, and we've done a couple things, but that was all talked about. That wasn't anything out of bitterness or irritation. But I get it. You know, people come and they're like, I, I just don't like him. There's days I don't like me. I, I understand. And, and I, you know, I, I go to reunions, class reunions, not because I enjoy them. I go because I love seeing the faces of my fellow classmates 40 years later, still going, you're a what? I go, I know. It's just as shocking to me. It, God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. He's saying, if, 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 hey, if Rob, if Rob can get it right, you can do this. You're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's idiot proof right there. That's the priesthood. It's not because I wear a clerical collar or I, I'm holier than you or that my kids are better than yours. Pastor Rob's children probably don't. Do, yeah, no, they do. <laughs> and do it better than yours. One thing I do know in the priesthood is, is this idea that people follow, you need to lead. That means you can't take people where you're unwilling to go yourself. So it's, it requires faith. I always used to think faith was having no other option but God. And early on, that's like, Lord, there's nowhere I can go. I mean, I want to leave, I don't want to, but I have nowhere to go. I, 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 I can't do a trade. If I try electrical, I'll kill myself. Plumbing, everyone will drown. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. And yet, the, the Lord speaks to you and moves you and allows you to learn how to hear his, his voice. And so that's the priesthood. And then in the ark of the testimony was also God's provision. Manna. Manna means what is it? It was provided for the Israelites, the entire time of their wandering. Exodus 16, and the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, this is a thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept for, for your generations, that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a pot and put an omer of manna in it and lay it before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. So it was like almost 80 years, I think. Every day for 80 years, the manna lasted for one day only, except for the double portion of manna that was provided on the sixth day, which lasted for two days, but on the seventh day, there was nothing. Very interesting food. It knows the day of the week. It's heavenly, it should. It's eternal, so it doesn't have a time thing, but here it would operate. Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it for tomorrow, but some of them did not listen to Moses and saved part of it. And the next morning it was full of worms and smelled rotten, and Moses was angry with them. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much food, four quarts for each person, as Moses had commanded, and they kept what was left until the next day, and it did not spoil or get worms in it. 
on the, on the Sabbath, the day of rest. So it knows the day of rest and it doesn't rot. But on, and there's no refrigeration. It was, it's just really an interesting food. And I love this idea that God really went out of his way to ascertain that his people got their weekly rest because he knew they needed it. Sabbath is for the man, not man for the Sabbath. God wants you to rest and he wants to be the beginning of your week and the end of your week. He wants to, to speak to you as you take the step into the days ahead. He wants you to understand setting that day aside for your family. He wants you to daily gather. As Jesus said, I am the bread of life in John 6. He, he wants you to eat this manna every day. Be in God's word every day. And then on the day that you don't need to, you're still in it in a sense, but I'll do a teaching for you. But you should have already done six teachings. And your family should, rich, and, and you, you should be teaching the commandments of God. And, and dads, you're the priest of your home. They're not going where you're not leading. This is so critical for us, this manna. It's a picture of Christ. In the time we have here, let's see. Well, all right. We'll take a look at a few verses. Joshua rose early in the morning and set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And as I was thinking about this idea of three days and they lodged there before they crossed over, God told the people of Israel to wait three days at the shore of the Jordan. You saw that in Joshua 1.11. All that time, the people of Israel saw a rushing river swollen with spring rains lying in front of them. And they must have asked, how can we ever cross this river? You're looking at an impossibility and for three days, you're like this, this. And, and think about the disciples. He's dead. He ain't coming back. But he said in three days. God said in three days, we'll cross this river. You're not crossing that. Look how swollen it is. It's over the banks. This thing is raging. Nobody here swims. It's not like this is a seafaring people. They would sink like stones, scared to death of the water. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. And there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. The, the, the priests would set the example. And, and then the, the thousand yards behind, the people would follow. But the Lord said before that time, um, sanctify yourselves. Now, sanctification means set apart. It's critical. It means justified means just as if I'd never sinned. So God cast your sin as far as east is from the west to be remembered no more. But sanctified is very critical for the victorious Christian life in the promised land that God has called you to. It means that you have set your life apart to do the things that bless the Lord. So thus you have memorized and are applying the Ten Commandments. Tracking me? It's not an exercise in futility. It's for your family. It's for your city. It's for your nation. Do this and you will live. If you can't recite it from memory, why not? What is more important? Sanctify yourself. Get this done. Is there, is there a day where you rest and, and, and God takes care? You don't cook any meals, you just get to focus on the Lord? Is there a day you have for that? If you don't, why? God wants you to set your life apart. You're different than the rest of the world. Sanctified means set apart. I'll, I'll do it real quick because I've got limited time, but this is my favorite story. I don't know any other way to describe sanctified. I, we had a... Right to, now we have Great Danes. We have two of them. Now, actually, they're tremendous Danes. <laughs> but, but before we had a dachshunds. We had one dachshund. And the dachshunds were small. They were the size of what Great Danes leave every morning. <laughs> we had a dachshund named Tinkerbell. And, and Tinkerbell ate Old Roy, Walmart Old Roy, wet dog food. Take the lid off that and 
kind of take off work and break it up a little bit. She didn't care. She's like, oh, oh, Roy. It's coming again. Oh, 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 Roy. And we put it on a Tinkerbell plate, which was set for her. That was sanctified. The Tinkerbell plate was sanctified to Tinkerbell. And, and, and we put that old Roy in there and she'd eat it. And it smelled the same way going in as it did going out. It, it just, they, I don't even know how they do that. And you wonder if they leave any nutritional value for the dog. You're just like, wow, that's just amazing. <laughs> I think if you mail it back in, they give you a discount. I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I've now disgusted everyone. Variable of man's personality. Absolute of God's word. Get back to the word. Yes. I'm having a whole conversation with myself. Nobody's here but me. Hey. And, and, and Tinkerbell would just lick that thing clean. It was the cleanest plate in the house. Michelle goes away on a women's retreat. She's gone. The kids are young. I'm overwhelmed. Plates are piling up. The children are crying in the corner. When is she coming home? My daughter Kelly trying to bring some norm- normality. She makes lunch for everybody and sets a table and calls us all in. And I'm like, all right, yeah. And there's, there's the Winnie the Pooh plate with my sandwich on it. <laughs> Kelly goes, I washed it, Dad. I go, I don't care if you boiled it. I ain't eating off that plate. <laughs> I've seen that dog go in and out. And I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not eating that sandwich. I'm not going. That, I'm going to give you a lesson in scripture. <laughs> Listen up, child. This Winnie the Pooh plate is sanctified <laughs> under Tinkerbell. You are sanctified, set apart unto God. In the temple, the articles in the temple were sanctified unto God. You know what they were? They were old beat up pots and pans. You and I are beat up old pots and pans, but we're God's pots and pans. Amen. So set yourself, make yourself available, sanctify, set yourself apart for the Lord, and he'll do wonders among you, especially in your family. And when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God and the priests and Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Joshua didn't send the Army Corps of Engineers first. Instead, he sent the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant, which was the visible representation of God's presence with the people. Joshua knew this was a spiritual problem, not a feat of human engineering. And so he encouraged the people spiritually when he said, sanctify yourselves, because this would be a spiritual battle. Joshua requires that the people have a spiritual preparation. Sanctify yourselves means that they were to separate themselves from common things, to focus on the Lord and to see that the Lord will do wonders among them. And Joshua knew how to do this. Look, look at Joshua 1.8. This needs to be a theme for your family if it isn't. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Uh, Hello, does anyone want this for their children? Then apply it. Do it. And then the last two verses. The waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that's beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all of Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. The priests had to walk in and get their feet wet first. And they're like, this, this isn't working. And the, and the people are a thousand yards back going, I hope this works. And, and the priests are leading. And there's days I don't know my elbow from my earlobe, but we managed to survive for a few years. And that river looks raging at certain times of the year. That's the Jordan. Those are, all, those are legit pictures. But they crossed at an interesting location. This is a artist depiction of the waters being held up. They were actually held up towards um, uh, 
Caesarea Philippi, up towards the headwaters of the Jordan. But the location of where they were crossing by Jericho is um, Khazar al, I can't remember the Arabic name, but it's, it's the traditional baptismal site of John the Baptist where Jesus was baptized. So on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, as well as even in the flow of the, the river stopped, it was miraculous that the people could cross over on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. God miraculously dried the riverbed so they didn't slog through marshy mud. This miracle obviously connects with the miracles of the nation 40 years earlier, passing through the Red Sea. God brought them out of Egypt's bondage with a miracle, and he brought them into the promised land with a miracle. You've been saved by grace through faith, so God delivers you from the bondage of sin, and now he's going to lead you into the victorious Christian life of the promised land on this earth, where you have an abundant Christian life. Both are going to be the parting of obstacles in your life, as Christ's blood has overcome the law of sin and death by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And as he overcame the grave, so you too are no longer dead in your trespasses. You get to walk in the fullness of Christ. He's cast them as far as the east is from the west. He paid the penalty for them. And you don't continue in sin that grace may abound. He's come so that you'd have freedom and victory and to lead your children, and to be the priests of your home, Dad. Cross that river, lead by example. And in that ark you're carrying, Dad, is the law you've memorized. And the understanding of the calling upon your life as a priest of your family. And the manna that you have gleaned from every morning as you spend time in the presence of the living God in his word that richly dwells within you and within your children. And lead them. Lead them into that victorious life. The crossing site is fascinating because where they crossed is the same location I, I'm certain of where Jesus was baptized. And why is this all so significant? To face such impossible challenges in our lives, we must look to Jesus, who is our Joshua. And he always leads us. Jesus is the fulfillment of the ark that we just got an in-depth study of. He is uh, Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Jesus has cleared the way to victory over all things. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, the cross in Colossians 2.15. And as we keep our eyes on and follow behind our victorious Jesus, the river of impossibility will dry up. What is it that is hindering you from walking and occupying this victorious Christian life? Are you going, that, that river, I've been looking at it for three days, it is swollen. I don't even see any way around that thing. How are we doing with the ark? Do you have all the elements inside? Have you memorized the moral law? Then do that, please. Are you the priest of your home, Dad? And wives, if they're not, then pray for them because they can be sanctified by your prayers. Quit whining and complaining. I wish I had married a Christian man. Well, you should have, but you didn't. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, the, the highest form of prayer is intercessory prayer. That's, that's how... Christ is at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for you. Why don't you do it for him? That's, that's a great gift. It really helps your kids, too, instead of just walking away from it all. And then, the manna. Are you in the word of God on a regular basis? Are your kids starving? I mean, if, if you equated your time in the word with your physical food, everyone, I think, would be emaciated. When did you last eat? I don't remember. I think it was when they passed the Bible out on Sunday. And I, 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 you, I, <clears throat> I'm hungry. Spiritually, you're starving. And, and these obstacles are frightening you because you don't have the energy to get over it. Let the Lord lead. Keep your eyes on him, the author and finisher of your faith. And the beautiful thing about it is those Ten Commandments written with the finger of God is a moral compass for your whole family. And Dad, you're the priest. You're, you, you have the authority of Aaron. 
He wants your family to blossom and be fruitful. And that manna, that's an everything, that's an everyday thing, except for when you take a rest. And, and you're, you're not going out and doing a study, you are getting to sit and receive one. My Sabbath comes after yours. I work today. I just want you to enjoy yourself. And that is the victorious Christian life. That's Joshua chapter three. Joshua, Jesus. He is the one who leads you. Follow him. Make sure everything's in the ark for the sake of your family. And dads, again, you're the priests. You're the priests of your home. Lead them. They'll follow. Kids spell love, T-I-M-E. And for them, things are caught, not taught. They don't want to hear from you. They want to see you. Let, let, let them see the river part. Go do it. Do big things for God. And watch your kids grow strong in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word, which is true. Thank you, Lord, for manna, the word of God. As the Israelites had to gather it every day. Lord, we can't live off yesterday's manna. It's to be fresh that we would give to our family. And Lord, you provide for us. And then you give us a day of rest to focus on you. And Lord, that priesthood is not to be neglected and to understand the moral law. It doesn't save, but it is a compass to direct us into a victorious Christian life. We are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift, not of works, lest we would boast. We know that, Lord. But we thank you that we're sanctified, set apart. And that setting apart means that that moral law is our compass and it establishes everything we do and our family is governed by it. And so God, thank you. Thank you for equipping the ark and leading us. We praise you and we thank you. You are our Joshua. You have always been and you always will be. And we worship you and thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord. God bless you guys.